Hey, fans of History is Gay, we have a very special episode for you today. We are going to be doing a collaboration with the podcast Queer as Fact, which is from Australia. There's some friends of ours. They're pretty awesome. So we really hope that you enjoy what's coming up. Um, but we just wanted to give you a heads up because it's going to look and probably sound a little bit different than usual. Yeah. And while you've got us in your ears, we also wanted to announce a couple of other really exciting things. We just launched our Patreon page. Woo! Woohoo! Um, so yeah, if you are, um, if you're looking for a way to support us in doing what we do, this podcast takes a lot of time and some money to produce that Gretchen and I have been doing just because we really, really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can support us in a couple of different ways. Uh, we're going to set up on our website a support link a new uh, little top nav bar, and you can support us on Patreon by going there, or you can do a one-time PayPal donation, whatever is your jam. Or if you just want to go directly to Patreon, it's at patreon.com slash history is gay. Yeah, we wanted to uh, highlight, if you're interested, we wanted to highlight some of the levels and perks that we have for our Patreon supporters. At $1, you get votes in episodes, as well as access to patron-only content. At $3, you get PDF files of our notes, which are, (laughs) as I'm sure we've mentioned before, quite (laughs) extensive (laughs) pages. (laughs) If you've ever wanted to read our, like... 18 page outline. Oh boy. With yeah. all of our now comments. You can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you can. At $5, you get access to our Sappho Salon, which we previewed last month. Um, we mm-hmm. also get discounts in our store, all that good stuff. We've got some higher levels with some other cool things, but those are the ones we wanted to kind of highlight for you guys because they seem to be. Yeah. More readily accessible to a lot of our fans. There will be even opportunities for you guys to, uh, you know, if you back at a $50 level, which is insane to us, um, but you could even be on the show. We also have, uh, we're going to try to do other mini-sodes called Letters and Queries, which are dependent upon submissions from you, our loyal Patreon supporters. So if you guys are interested in those things, go check it out. And we're also doing a really cool thing for launching. If you become a Patreon supporter before August 30th, we're going to be doing a really fun drawing for a History is Gay goodies pack. We have a really awesome History is Gay logo t-shirt, which has a uh, our tagline on the back, which is really fun. Also, you're going to get a neat uh, vinyl sticker or a magnet you can put on your car or notebook or anywhere you want and a neato uh, little button pin so you can share throughout the world just how gay history is. Uh, and we have also have another really fun, exciting thing. That kind of goes along with all of those things. Yeah. We are going to be launching a History is Gay store. Yay! Yay! We keep talking <laughs> about merch ideas <laughs> during episodes. <laughs> so we finally uh, are going to get that set up. That will be launching August 15th, uh, which will be just about just under two weeks from today. Uh, when you hear this episode, we're going to have lots of cool t-shirts with our History's Gay logo and our tagline on the back. We've got hoodies. We have a tote bag. And we also have, uh, eventually we will have this really, really awesome, we've done a collaboration with an artist. Named v- V.C. Silverman. Right. And they're, they have their designs for land gay and ocean lesbian and coastal bisexual. We're really, really excited. Yes. They're they're gorgeous. <laughs> they did such a great job on these designs. So we're we're really fantastically excited. We've been kind of like keeping this little hush hush and just seeing uh 
<laughs> seeing designs come in and we're like, oh my god, this is happening. So, uh, so yeah, those are all the fun announcements we have before you go into this episode. Uh, I hope you will stick with us. Thank you so much for allowing our podcast baby to grow. And we are so, so thankful for everyone who has already supported us. We were completely blown away when we launched on August 1st and suddenly had like $200 of support. And we are completely flabbergasted. And we feel so blessed that y'all want us to keep making this thing. I know. Thank you, guys. (laughs) It really is like... It's been really kind of an emotional last couple of days as we've been seeing just how much support we've gotten. It's it really means a whole heck of a lot to us, you guys. It really yeah. does. And it can it can only grow. We can start, you know, doing things like subscribing to research journals and maybe going to conventions and doing all of these really awesome things that will only make the show and the content that we're bringing to you even better. So yeah. thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Yes. And so uh, with that, enjoy enjoy this next episode. Hello, and welcome to History is Gay, a podcast that examines the underappreciated and overlooked queer ladies, gents, and gentle NBs that have always been there in the unexplored corners of history, because history has never been as straight as you think. I'm Lee. And I'm Gretchen. I'm Alice. And I'm Irene. Whoa! Who are who are all these new voices in the room? <laughs> Usually you only get a couple of us, but you heard everybody here. Uh hello everyone, <laughs> and welcome to either History is Gay or Queer is Fact. We don't know what your life is like, but you may be hearing us on one of those two lovely shows because we're doing a collaboration. Yay! Yay. <laughs> As we like to call it, this is Queer is Gay. Yes, Queer is Gay. <laughs> History is Queer. History is Fact. History which is, is fact. not true. Which is not true. <laughs> yeah, which is not true in the slightest. <laughs> History is made up of writings from people in power, and we're attempting to reclaim that right now. But that's too long for Apple Podcasts. That's not catchy. Yeah, that's not, not catchy. Yeah, that's too long of a name for Apple Podcasts. I feel like queer <laughs> um, is gay could start some discourse. Oh, oh true. Oh, the discourse. Wow. The discourse oh, yeah, with a capital D. It's kind yeah. of a fitting thing to say, though, given that our topic today is queer linguistics. Whoa. Specifically talking about queer slang. Mm-hmm. Because we all got together and started talking and wondered, oh man, I wonder, I wonder what kind of language you use in Australia or you use in the United States and if there's any sort of different contexts around that. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that today. Um, so, you know, just content warning. Um, this is a conversation about queer slang and thus there's going to be some, you know, what could be considered slurs, but also just some, there's going to be some, some harsh words, some cursing, some discussion of (laughs) Explicit sexual content, as slang is wont to do. Um, so I'm going I'm- to say, if you if you're listening to Queer as Fact, uh, swear words might not be a thing you're used to hearing. <laughs> yeah. If you um, listen to History yeah. is Gay, it's pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, you know, welcome, you know, well, thanks for tuning in to your regularly filthy show. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're letting down Australian stereotypes, yeah. We really are. <laughs> we just have 
had an eight-year-old yeah. listen to our show the other day and we were like, thank God we don't swear. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Well, you're uh, challenging uh, those Australian stereotypes there is what you you're doing. You're subverting them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Whereas we're just filthy Americans. We did have this discussion <laughs> when we started where we were like, so we'll try not to swear. Are we capable of not swearing for an hour? <laughs> We've proven we are. Yeah. Gretchen and I discussed discussed this in that we recorded our trailer and swore, and we were just like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to swear. We're we're salty like sailors. I was probably the first one to say fuck because, yeah, yeah, if you know me, you know this is true. Yeah. I say it a lot. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, I guess format for today, we're going to tell you some historical background and context regarding queer linguistics and queer slang in general, and then each one of us will kind of launch into our own little section of fun words that we wanted to bring to you today, and you can leave this lovely episode with an enriched vocabulary, (laughs) except for the eight-year-old that listens to Queer as Fact. Maybe don't listen probably. to this episode. Yes, yeah, yeah, probably way. don't listen to this episode. Um, or Cut do, or do I? You know, but don't use the make words. Your, at make your make your own lovely decisions in life. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's start it off. Gretchen, would you like to talk about lavender linguistics? What sure. Yeah. Phrase. Sorry, I, I love it. I like it. It's so it's colorful. I mean, yeah. literally. <laughs> Yeah. So the term lavender linguistics was coined in the 1990s by William Leap from the long associated, uh, the long term association of lavender with the LGBTQ community, specifically in the United States, um, with queer civil rights. And it refers to spoken or written language practices, including speech patterns, pronunciation, or entire spoken languages like Polari. And this is as opposed to que- specifically queer linguistics. A term which refers to linguistics that is overtly concerned with exposing cis-heteronormativity. For example, discussions around gender-neutral pronouns or gendered objects. That would be something considered queer linguistics versus lavender linguistics, which is speech patterns for people within the queer community versus like criticisms of linguistics coming from a queer perspective. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and these are all distinct from uh, discussions about like, the reclamation of slurs, like a lot mm-hmm. of slang are words that are derived from or reclaimed from slurs. I mean, that's just kind of unfortunately what happens in our community is that many slang terms began their life or quickly became derogatory terms for queer folks. Words like faggot, dyke, even queer are words that were once insults. I mean, gay, even word that, I mean, mm-hmm. most, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't say that was reclaimed nowadays but that was very much used as a derogatory term and as i mentioned reclamation current reclamation can be full partial or non-existent and even within the community as i'm sure those of you who are part of the lgbt community know that there can be a lot of uh inter-community disagreement on yes. <laughs> who and how and in what context people can use certain words it uh it can be a problem discourse Conver- with the capital d Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. I was just sitting in my home yeah. the other day and I was listening to music and my mom was like, oh, Alice, can you take out your headphones for a second? I have like a quick question. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I took out my headphones. She was like, can you just like tell me the history of the word queer? And I was like, <laughs> ooh, do you have 12 hours? <laughs> my gosh. Just like a simple question, right? Yeah. yeah. Just fine. a quick question. 
just a quick one. Um, wow. <laughs> but that's a whole episode right. in itself. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So, yeah. So, like, why why use slang or other forms of distinctive language patterns, right? Why use it at all? Why do we need separate, you know, languages for, for kind of separate subcultures. It has to do with the creation of a shared identity and sense of community. Language can function as a boundary marker and a reinforcer of, you know, your community or identity status. Unfortunately, you know, this can be used to keep certain people out as well as keep some people in. People using exclusion of trans or bisexual or pansexual folks from the lesbian and gay communities, as in the recent move to try to claim bisexuality, you know, inherently, quote unquote, excludes trans and non-binary folk, which is Ugh. just not true. And uh, Julia Serrano has some excellent commentary on how community language around identity can become vulgarized, quote unquote, by the community in attempt to force more marginalized identities to continually validate themselves in the eyes of the rest of the community. And we'll link to that. Uh, in our show notes. She's speaking from a trans bisexual perspective, and so she has a lot of really great insight into what that's been like for both trans and bi people. We don't have time to get into that whole thing today, so we'll let Julia's commentary speak for itself, and you can read it on your own, but it's it's really great. I want to yeah, ask um, follow-up yeah. questions, but you've just said we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> right, I highly recommend it, as well as uh, her book, which is called Whipping Girl, mm-hmm. and it's about the history of like trans feminism and uh trans activism yeah she has a lot of really really fascinating things to say about language and the history of language within a queer community specifically about like words associated with transness and bisexuality so really really fascinating like i've i've spent hours (laughs) hours just like reading posts of hers so yeah highly recommend it Mm -hmm. yeah she's pretty fantastic yeah another thing that another reason for using slang would be gender performance Slang can often be, or distinctive language patterns can be a form of identity marking. Um, some men-loving men have speech patterns that are closer to those of stereotypical women, for example. Same with many women-loving women having patterns closer to stereotypical males. This was something I noticed when I first entered the queer community because I came to my identity uh, later in life that I started note. It was fascinating to me things like, I know a lot of men-loving men use bitch to refer mm-hmm. to each other mm-hmm. versus, oh, yeah, like, yeah. a lot of women-loving women use, like, dude. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. those are things that, like, you see, like, straight men use dude and, like, women-loving women use dude to talk to each other. And, like, it's the same with, like, straight women use bitch and so do, like, men-loving men. It's fascinating to me that, like, I'm not even sure that the communities are even always aware that, like, yeah, they're yeah. they're mimicking these kinds of, like, mm-hmm. language patterns. I was going to say, I don't know that this is intentional, but I call people dude all the time, and I would never call someone bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of it, too. I would never. I would never. Yeah, like, I would never yeah. <laughs> one, one of I them is a term of affection, and another is, again, you know, a reclamation of a word that has been used violently. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. but, you know, let's pay attention to, like, who those words are being aimed at. Uh, Historically marginalized genders. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Similarly, it can be a marker of social subversion or of roles or even expectations from society. Men loving men in Western societies like the U.S. have to distinguish themselves from, like, straight male culture and um, heterosexual masculinity. So the use of female pronouns or words like bitch or, like, honey, like, any, like, kind of... I guess what many would call feminine speech patterns distinguishes them from heterosexual males. So it's a way of saying like, I'm not a straight guy. But what's interesting to me is that due to things like sexism and patriarchy, women, including women loving women, may be more concerned with fighting uh, sexism 
in the way that they distinguish themselves rather than having to distinguish themselves from straight women the way that like men loving men do with straight men. So distinctive language may be used to establish themselves as unsubmissive to the cis-heteropatriarchy first rather than distinguishing them from specifically straight women. They're more likely to say like, I am an unsubmissive woman. I'm non-compliant if you read Bitch Planet, which is an excellent comment mm-hmm. and you should. <laughs> um, I think Lee put that in there because Lee loves – Lee is actually the reason I read Bitch Planet. It's yeah, great. I'm, I'm li- I mean, you all can't see because this is a podcast, but I'm literally just showing off my non-compliant tattoo. I was trying right to <laughs> why you were waving your arm around. Yeah, I have that like actually – inked oh, into cool. my body. Oh, um, it's yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. I I specifically I mean it's I wanted, you know, my my stamp of non-compliance to be specifically visible and rooted in the queer community and I got it after the Pulse tragedy. I was mm. like, nope. Nope. I'm I'm going to be visible. Hello. Mm. Right. But yeah. that's a really good example of how like you're more concerned with separating yourself as like I am non-compliant to patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of that can be very common. It can be a commonality for like feminist women as well as women loving women. Mm-hmm. That they're more like the content of their conversation may differ, but their speech patterns don't differ as much mm-hmm. because they're resisting gender norms and gender structures imposed on them rather than necessarily trying to say, like, I'm not a straight woman. It's like, well, I'm just non compliant to the patriarchy, whether I love women or I'm a feminist mm-hmm. or just and like gender non-conforming i am just not a woman that you can box into like your structure rather than like i'm not straight so yeah. and that's like it's just like fascinating to me the way that like as we might call them non-compliant women tend to speak similarly mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not they're queer yeah. yeah i don't know that this is just a little thing about the way you've sort of phrased that i don't know that i'd want to say like you want to present yourself as non-compliant to the patriarchy rather than as a queer woman. Right. It's more like as well right. as, yeah? Mm. No, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I guess the sort of experience of rejecting the kind of societal structures that are imposed on us is maybe more similar for a straight woman and a queer woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Than it is for a straight man and a queer man. Yeah. I mean, yes, I guess a straight right, man right. isn't rejecting this, what society's imposed on him. A straight man's probably pretty happy with that. Unless he happens to be a trans <laughs> yeah. straight man, in which case, no. But Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Or, you know, anybody who's not white. Not, not white. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. thinking from a sexuality and gender perspective. Right. Obviously, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. widely speaking, yeah. Yeah. So, and back, you know, back to the question of why are we using these languages? Another point to using these distinct kind of sub-languages is it's necessary for safety in homophobic societies. Much -hmm. of the makeup of terminology in queer communities comprise what is called an argo, a uh, secret language used by certain groups, in this case, queer people, to prevent outsiders from understanding their conversations. So, like, if you were a kid and you ever played around and made up your own language or, you know, used pig Latin, like, you were utilizing an argo. You were creating an argo. And what I found really, really fascinating when we were doing our research on this is that there are entire languages that have developed. So, you have uh, instances of Polari in the United Kingdom, Gale in South Africa, Bahasa Binyan in Indonesia, Sword Speak in the Philippines, Isin Kumo in South Africa and Zimbabwe, and there's even more if you want to look them up. But individually, much of the terminology essentially acted as like code words, and they served, or in places where it's still being used, are still serving a 
quote, protective sociolinguistic mechanism for gays or queer people in general to recognize each other and avoid being recognized by those who may wish to do them harm in broader societies noted for their homophobia. So it's an, it's an act of self-preservation and community and being able to recognize your own in a safe way. And yep. I'm sure in some point, at some point we'll get into, at least we will, you know, talking about the history of things like the Henke Code in the United States, which was a um, subversive and kind of secret way to let queer men know, hey, here's, here's who I am, here's what I like, here's what I'm looking for, without arising suspicions. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you you found this really interesting thing about uh, slang dictionaries, Lee. Do you want to yes. tell us more about that? Yeah. So, so speaking of homophobia, there were, there were even, uh, developed entire slang dictionaries <laughs> meant to kind of root out these secret languages. So, um, <laughs> there was a, a, a pamphlet, a book, uh, that was published called Homosexuality and Citizenship in Florida, aka <laughs> referred to as the Purple Pamphlet. So it was published in January 1964 by the Florida Legislative Investigation Committee of Florida Legislator Legislature, uh, led by <laughs> Senator Charlie Johns. And so, I love this story. This was such a fun aside that I found. So it featured several pornographic images and a glossary of queer terminology and they sold it for 25 cents a copy. Are the pornographic <laughs> images like, like, like diagrams like, of like, this is what this slang is describing, in case you didn't understand? <laughs> Basically, yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is what this is what the homosexuals are doing with one another. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, this committee had been leading a witch hunt for homosexuals in year, for years in public schools, universities, and government agencies, and they were convinced that queer people were part of, like, a ridiculous communist strategy to subvert the American way of life by controlling academic institutions <laughs> and by corrupting the nation's moral fiber. When not? So, Is that, like, I the mean, gay agenda? Yeah, it's the gay agenda. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's a lot to do before noon. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, like yeah. I'm, like, barely awake. Um, so, like, the, the goal of the pamphlet was essentially to shock Floridians into accepting the homophobic legislation that they were trying to enact. They wanted to scandalize them with all the supposed debauchery and explicitness oh that came gosh. with gays, portraying, quote, gays as sex fiends who spent every free moment searching for anonymous partners, recruiting youth, or transmitting venereal diseases. So, like... I still just love well, the this is, plot half of this. Yeah. Right. So right, we're so, all communists. <laughs> so this is super gross, right? But this is. I mean, it's the sixties, so like yeah. the worst thing you could be was a communist. So like they're not just exactly. gays; they're communists. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Ruining America. The best thing about this is that it blew up in their faces. It backfired in a big way. So instead of becoming the bestseller that the committee hoped for, it received backlash. For its pornographic images, and the Dade County officials actually threatened to bring legal action against the committee for essentially <laughs> distributing porn at twenty-five cents a pop. Oh my god! <laughs> and so, Oops. and so, a gay, a I gay book club, a gay book club in Washington D.C. sold reprints of the pamphlet for two dollars. Nice markup, and uh, and <laughs> the backlash absolutely destroyed the anti-gay committee, and it was disbanded on July first, nineteen sixty-five. When the legislature refused to give them funding, we're like, we're not going to give money to all these pornography peddlers. What is going <laughs> on? So that's amazing. That's like my favorite aside. It's like, well, we're going to publish this this library of 
disgusting debauchery to warn citizens and we're going to be able to enact our wonderful, hateful legislation. Oops. Um, turns out we're porn pushers. <laughs> <laughs> turns out disgusting debauchery is still disgusting debauchery. Yeah, it's like, so you're, thinking- you're still distributing gay porn, y'all. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> You know when yeah. you're in high school and they give out to your parents, like, this is the slang that your teen is using online. How to know what your teen is talking about. I'm imagining that the list of words they had was probably at least that inaccurate in this pamphlet. Yeah. Probably. It reminds me of, like, when they were saying, like, those those fun bands or whatever, those, like, weirdly shaped rubber bands that people were wearing on their wrists meant different, like, sexual things. Like, oh, the, yeah. the oh, idea yeah. of, like, no. adults, you know policing teen behavior. It's got to be about sex. Silly bands. If we don't know what it means, that's right. Yeah. If we don't know what it means, it's probably sex because, you know, the kids are, that's all they care about these days. Yeah. 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 Right. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. (laughs) That raises like the really interesting question of why so many of the terms are focused on sex. It is possible that because many cultures throughout history, for those cultures, what we call being gay was understood as a set of behaviors rather than specifically an identity. Lee and I talk about this in our uh, History's Gay episode on homosexuality in ancient China. It comes up, I mean, Mm. a lot around the world globally, historically, that being gay was considered like – it was more about the behavior and the actions. So the most significant of which for localizing desire would have been the sex act. So maybe that's why there are all these terms of focus on sex. It could also be due to the biases of the recorders of the dictionaries, as we just yeah. saw. They <laughs> yeah. had a rhetorical reason for including specific terms and excluding others. They were likely influenced by perceptions um, of hypersexuality in the conversations of those in the LGBT community or even driven by homophobic concerns. So they would be... They're perceiving either all of these things are about sex because they assume that that's all that people within the community think about, or they're specifically trying to say, oh, all of these terms are about sex because that's all they care about for negative Mm -hmm. rhetorical reasons. Mm -hmm. Or, I guess, once they have that perception of the queer community that sex is the most important thing there, then they'll assume that these are the most important words. So if they can't Right. You know, if they have to narrow down their list of words for whatever reason, they're going to keep those ones and anything mm. else is going to get dropped. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because for, for, there are a lot of words within even our current communities that like Lee and I exist in that aren't about that experience, but it, I don't think most people would would pick them up specifically as being like queer words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because they assume that it has to do with sex. So you're right. Yeah. yeah. It could even yeah. be a kind of like voyeurism that like – People mm. who are not a part of the community are intentionally like, ooh, I wonder what the gays do. What like, <laughs> gay sex are they having? Right. I want to know all of the all of those words. <laughs> I mean, I think there's possibly also the fact that you talked before about people utilizing, like, in-community slang to protect themselves, and so other people mm-hmm. don't know what they're talking about. For a lot of history, we're talking about times when, I mean, for a lot of history of the English language at least, we're talking about times when queer sex was illegal and, you know, you don't have to hide the fact that you're hanging out with someone of the same gender or whatever, but you do have to hide the fact that you're sleeping right. together. So that's the bit you need to encode. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, right, exactly. The things that you need to hide are the things that are would be frowned upon by society. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. really good yeah. point too. Yeah. And there are also the things then that society is really keen on hearing about yeah. because they have that kind of thrill of yeah. being taboo and being disgusting debauchery. And so I guess it's kind of perpetual from both ends then. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
We thought one thing we noted, um, just based on the the topics that we've covered in our podcast, is an interesting shift in like metaphors and imagery. Mm. So for a lot of the the history that we've seen, you have a lot of martial imagery, especially oh, yeah. in the Middle Ages. And then mm-hmm. recently, in, especially within recent U.S. slang, there's a lot of like food metaphors. Mm. Um, oh, really? Yeah. 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 We'll get into them, but there's a lot of there's a lot of food <laughs> going on, which. I mean, right. So we had this list of like, what, why, why? Uh, is it because they're like innocuous for people listening in? Like, if you're talking about like, I really like oysters. I mean, or tacos. Tacos is the current one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, no one's gonna be like, oh right, yeah, everyone loves food. Is the less violent imagery more appealing to our like modern sensibilities? Like, no one, yeah, martial imagery isn't like a common mm-hmm. linguistic feature yeah. anymore, but like, food is. Is it like a, this was kind of a joke of like, you are what you eat? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or do do we just like food that much? That's like, what is the other thing I really like in my life? Yeah, I mean. Tacos are tasty. True. (laughs) They are tasty. For the the Winona Earp fans. Thanks, Winona Earp. In the room. Taco Tuesday has a whole new meaning. Yes, Now from that show. Yep. So with that. (laughs) So we've talked a little bit about, like, our research. Um, Alice and Irene, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, slang in Australia? Okay, so what I'm going to be doing is giving you some, like, historical context for queer slang in Australia. What I'm talking about is in the 19th century. So Australia was a penal colony, which meant it was largely... Gretchen's yeah. just, sorry, Lee's just snickering there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the queer slang episode. I have to laugh at penal colony. That's yeah. true. That's true. Which. I was thinking it, so. <laughs> if we're not, if we're, if we're going to do it in any episode, it has to be this one. Anyway, continue. So. This is a dirty, dirty podcast, baby, everyone. We're going to do a lot of snickers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which means at the time it was a largely same-sex society, basically. It was largely male. So in 1837, the House of Commons Committee on Transportation to Australia heard evidence on the disturbing prevalence of unnatural crime in the colonies. Which, Mm -hmm. yes, (laughs) I quite liked unnatural crime. That made me laugh. (laughs) A good start for Australia. A good what's, start. what's funny to me is the implication that that means that there's such a thing as like natural crime. Yeah, that's what's yeah. funny like, to me. The like, idea what, that you know like, you steal bread. Oh, that's a natural. We crime. We stopped doing you stole bread. That's natural. <laughs> you wanted to sleep with men. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> anyway. murder. That's a nat- That's totally natural to murder somebody. But like wanting to have consensual sex with somebody. No, mm. no, yeah, unnatural. Anyway, no. the parliamentary papers from these hearings. And witnesses in convict settlements at the time are our main sources from that era in Australia. So sodomy, which is a lot of what we're talking about here, essentially, is in the 19th century viewed in a Christian context in England. I'm sure we all know that Christians are not keen on sodomy. No. Generally not a fan. Generally. Yeah, generally not fans. No, for some reason. And it was a capital crime. And the laws in Australia derived from the English laws. So therefore they were dismayed to hear that the convicts were doing rather a lot of sodomy and that they weren't even (sighs) decently ashamed of it. (laughs) I really love the way that's phrased. Rather a lot of sodomy and they're not even decently ashamed of it. This is Eli's notes. Eli's notes. Eli's notes are quality. Quality note taking. Yeah. (laughs) Good work, Eli. 
So in this, this is a transcript of parliamentary papers, as we discussed before, from the House of Commons hearing about sodomy. This is a witness. Yeah, this is a witness being questioned. Being questioned. Yeah. yeah. A witness from Australia being questioned by British Parliament about why there are so many men sleeping with men in Australia. (laughs) And so the witness is asked, amongst the convict population, would suspicion of a person having been guilty of unnatural crime excite abhorrence and detestation? No, says the witness. They might amongst one another jeer and talk a little, but it would only be a sort of cant phrase. You do not think it would have been in abhorrence? No, I've heard them jeer at one another, such as calling one another sods. Sods isn't a very appealing sounding slang term. I hope we get some better ones. Yeah. Hmm. But. Yeah. I, th- I think we, I think we were like cu- curious. I wonder if that's where, you know, sod off comes from. Oh, we did check oh, this yeah. the first time we recorded. That is where sod off comes from. Yeah, oh, really? yeah. So it's really interesting. It's like sort of saying go fuck yourself. Yeah, sod off and fuck off are the yeah. same phrase. Yeah. One's just mm-hmm. queerer. Yes. I'll yeah. keep this in mind next time I want to tell someone <laughs> to fuck off. Just yeah. don't decide. <laughs> so yeah. start off instead. It sounds pretty outdated. You're, wi- people. Yeah. You're wishing them good gay sex. I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's very kind. <laughs> it's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kindest thing you can say to someone, right? Really. Yeah. <laughs> Go have some good gay sex. Yeah. Yeah. So the same witness also recounted the boys, meaning presumably men who were into sodomy, go by names. If a boy happens to be upon a farm and to be sent to the prisoner's barracks in Sydney, the boys go by the names of Kitty and Nancy. Apparently mm. Nancy was slang for buttocks at the time. Mm, and right. these these were also, Eli tells me, common names for prostitutes. I don't know whether prostitutes were inclined to take pseudonyms at this time, and this is why we have Kitty and Nancy as common prostitute names. Um, This is something we do come across again and again in queer slang, is that crossover between the slang of sex workers and the slang of queer people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's just, there's such a crossover in communities and trying to talk about these taboo things especially around sex and relationships, it makes sense that these people are going to talk to each other a lot and use the same words. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, use, and use coded words because, you know, in, in both instances, it's sexual acts and sexual relationships that are verboten, that are yeah, against right. the law. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there's there's – you also have the population of queer sex workers who mm-hmm. would have had crossover yeah. in both, both communities. You have, you know, male prostitutes or trans prostitutes – who would have uh, sex workers, that is to say. And there would have been... So, I mean, so you have probably had people within the community who, like, cross-pollinated mm. both between, like, queer communities and, like, communities of sex workers just because yeah. they belonged in both. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, too. So, yeah, a later witness would also record that boys were called the fancy girls of men and that these men had ongoing affectionate relationships. And what I really want to talk about <laughs> here, I think, is... That idea that that's sort of imposing a heterosexual relationship on two men mm-hmm. in a queer relationship, that kind of one of the boys is going by... The fancy fem- girl. Yeah, is being called a fancy girl and going by a typically feminine name. Mm. Huh. It's like yeah. the, like the, the male-loving male version of who wears the pants in the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I guess both. it still is who wears the pants yeah. in the relationship. Who wears the They're pants still asking, in the relationship, yeah. Who's the man? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's my favorite funny, answer well, to that is like, neither of us or ideally both no of one. us. It's kind of the whole the point. point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know where, where you fell off the train, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, ideally. but I mean... 
Nobody's wearing pants. Yeah. Ideally. (laughs) Of either variety. Yes. Yes. Ah, yes. (laughs) This is another thing we'll ever know an answer to, but I wonder how many of these people who are going by female names and being referred to as fancy girls in a more progressive society would have come out as trans women. And we'll never know the answer to that. But, you know, we're talking solely about homosexual men here, but that might partly be because there wasn't a space to talk about anything yeah, more non-conformist. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. well, it's like the question that arises when you have stories of um, people who, like, at a young age, presented as women and then you know went off to sea and wore men's clothing for the rest of their life. Like, how yeah. do we talk? And, and maybe even had relationships with women. This came up when we did our pirates episode. Of yeah, when you have like someone who presents as feminine, but they go off to sea and wear masculine clothing for the rest of their life and have relationships with other women, is that? To women, is it like, is there transness involved? Like, how do you, like, they didn't have the language we have today. Mm-hmm. So all we yeah. can say is it falls somewhere within like queer experience, but like, we don't can, know why. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. You don't know whether you- to look like, is this two lesbians or is this like a woman and a trans man? Yeah. And you can kind of never tell whether they're sort of pushing gender boundaries for practicality reasons or personal right. identity mm. reasons. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Especially yes. when it comes yeah. to like women dressing as men. That kind mm. of Oh yeah. 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 yeah you can never tell whether it's that kind of this gives them more opportunities or whether it's they're not a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This, as we sort of said, was not confined to men. The female factories in Hobart which is in Tasmania. I don't know how much you know about Australian geography, (laughs) but it's one of the very early sort of colonial settlements in Australia. We're also a site of much homosexuality. (laughs) A site of much homosexuality. (laughs) And it was partly due to his inability to stamp this out that Sir Ardley Wilmot was dismissed as Lieutenant General of Van Diemen's Land, which was an earlier name for Tasmania, in April 1846. So the female prisoners used similar terms as the men did. They would talk about fancy women for homosexual women. Wilmot wrote in 1943 that female prisoners have their fancy women or lovers to who they are attached with quite as much ardour as they would be to the other sex. And they practice onanism to the greatest extent. I want like a little button that says like fancy woman. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yes. We should produce merch. (laughs) Collaborative project. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I wonder with these fancy women, like obviously with men, you've got the masculine man, very prominent quotes that you can't see, but can hear (laughs) listeners, and the the, um, fancy girl. So, you, like, you've got the feminine partner and the masculine partner, basically. Mm-hmm. How does that translate with women? Like, is the fancy woman a passive partner or an active partner? Or are both the women just fancy women together? Judged by the phrasing, I would say that the fancy woman here is the more feminine partner. Because mm-hmm. it does kind of say the female prisoners, Wilmot says, have their fancy women. Which is mm-hmm. very much kind of how you talk about a how people would talk about a man in a relationship with a woman at that yeah. time you know he has mm. his woman she mm-hmm. doesn't have him because of kind of understandings of gender at that time yeah yeah right mm. so it's phrased very similarly to what you read earlier about they like have their fancy girls too mm-hmm. yeah 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 so they may have at least perceived it that way a, a man looking in on <laughs> Two women having a relationship may have perceived like, oh, well, clearly this one is Is the the feminine partner. Yeah. Yeah, this is the fancy one and this one's not. (laughs) 
This is the boring one. And this one's the fancy one. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, seems to be how it is where they're talking about men, that hmm. we have the fancy girl who is the more feminine partner, and the other one's just a man. It's like he's not, like, crossing boundaries at all. Yeah. Yeah. The regular dude. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's sort of the fancy girls of men. So you've got a fancy girl, and this guy's just a man. That's true. There's nothing true. weird there, yeah. I mean, for me, like, that... That makes me think of active versus passive roles and that, mm-hmm. you know, in in societies where homosexuality, homosexuality was pretty common and, and not, you know, looked down upon was that the active partner is always the, you know, well-respected partner and the, mm. the oddity is the passive male partner who is being willing to be penetrated. And so I wonder if that has anything to do with it, but I'm not sure how exactly that correlates to relationship between two cis women when... The question of you know like active and Who's passive partner is a little bit different. Less clear. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. I do really enjoy that they called it that he called it onanism because <laughs> yeah. I associate onanism specifically with like cis men. I'm sure, like I'm sure he's using it as as a way to refer to like masturbation or like sex where there's no procreative possibility. Yeah, but like I so strongly associate onanism with cis male masturbation that it's really odd <laughs> to me to hear onanism like used to refer to like cis women. Yeah. How do I how how does how do they do how that? does onanism work? <laughs> I remember so clearly from high school. I had someone come up to me once. I wasn't like out at this time. I wasn't queer. And somebody came up to me, one of the other students, and was like, Irene, how do two women have sex? <laughs> and I would really like that person to tell me now. What made them think I was the person to ask? Like they could have given me a heads up. <laughs> Irene knows all the <laughs> You just uh you just radiated it, I guess. Yeah. Right, radiated yeah. the queer. But that, that's that definitely big queer energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely I think something that happens when people are talking about like cis women having sex with each other. That because you can't have the kind of penis penetration thing, people go, Well, what is it? That's what I imagine sex is. Mm-hmm. What is it when cis women like, have oh, sex friend. with each other? Oh friend, you're having a very bad sex life if that's the only yeah. thing that you can think of. <laughs> there are yeah. so many possibilities open to you. <laughs> right. You wow, yeah, your your sex life is very limited then. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there are more options, people. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so fancy women. Yes. Yeah. We continue. <laughs> From the 1820s, there's also evidence of free men, so not convicts, looking for sex with other men. There are evidence of boarding houses allowing men to sleep in the same bed, that kind of thing, like men would seek out a boarding house where that was available. The terms generally used at the time to refer to, like, queer sexual behaviours, terms like bugger and sodomite and tribard. I've never been sure how to pronounce that one. I always said tribard, but it could be tribade. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it refers to, like, women who have sex with other women. (laughs) Although they do refer specifically to sexual acts, still carry connotations of the person in question having a particular preference for their own sex, and therefore they might not be as divorced from identity-based understanding of queerness Mm. as they initially seem. (laughs) Which, I guess, goes back to what you were talking about before, about that kind of queerness being defined as a set of behaviours in certain eras rather than an identity thing. Mm -hmm. That it's that kind of once we've gone from 
sodomy to sodomite. We've kind of, the implication mm-hmm. there is that it is perhaps an identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It isn't just something that you can do, but you are a person who is known for preferring, preferring. that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this becomes really hard to read, but I've wondered this before because you do see it a lot in sort of academic discussions of queer people, that this idea of queerness as an identity is fairly recent. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that's just not true. Like, I wonder <laughs> if we're just not understanding how people talked about their identities. Mm-hmm. Rather right. Than- or that, like, yeah, that someone who prefers a certain set of behaviors, like, that's just... It could be the same way of talking about identity using just different words. Yeah. yeah. You know? Because what does it mean that, like, I'm anything? What does identity mean other than, like, I preferred certain things? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so, it could, yeah, it could be that there's less distinction between those two ways of talking about queer experience than a lot of modern scholarship is used to saying, that there may be a yeah. lot more overlap. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I'm thinking. Like, the distinction between who I am and what I do is not really as clear-cut as a lot of scholarship is kind of making out. Mm, mm. Right, because even within cultures where someone might look at them and say, from the outside, it looks like they define queer identity as, or they talk about that experience in terms of behaviors, you still have people within that society who, who clearly prefer almost exclusively one particular set of, like, partners. You can still have people within that society who, like, are identify as men and prefer male partners. Mm. So, e- yeah. like, you can even say, well, like, yeah, maybe it's a set of behaviors, but it's a set of behaviors that they can think of as, like, exclusive. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what is that? But, but another way to talk about identity. I'm someone yeah. who exclusively has sexual or romantic partnerships with someone of the same gender as myself. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, no, I think you're right. But but um, what do, well, I mean, if we didn't have these conversations, what would academics do? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. This is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what right, they do exactly. anyway. They would beg for funding. That's that's what that's what we would do. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing we do. Right. We have to come up with new arguments to have cuz how else will we get funding to do exactly. our things? <laughs> so, yeah, oh, some no. so uh some more Australia slang. Throw some of that our way. All right, let us continue. Yes. Okay, so a lot of the language we know of used to describe queer people at this time was generally applied to them by non-queer people. Mm-hmm. So the witness I read out earlier called sods a cant phrase, meaning a slang term used by the group. However, other sources suggest that sods wasn't only used by gay people, and maybe the witness was just not aware of this. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, most of the slang of this era that we know of was originates outside queer communities, although it was adopted to varying degrees by queer people. We can speculate that English terms from Britain were also in use in Australia, terms such as Molly, Magical, Marianne, Marjorie, and Miss Nancy, which is interesting to note that they're, like, vastly, again, female names. And they're all, like, why are they all M and N, you know? I don't it's know. It's really interesting. Yeah. They're basically just the name Margaret in... Yeah, yeah. just something <laughs> inherently Margaret. feminine about Marjorie or Margaret. Yeah, I, I guess know. it probably just was... If we're talking about the 1800s, Margaret was possibly, or, you know, Mary, like, the most common female name. Mm, mm. So it's possibly just, like, that's how you stereotype, I am feminine, I take on the most female name there is. 
Mm. However, yeah, the um of all the like British slang we have for homosexuality, only poof is really evidenced in Australia. Mm. I don't know if you guys have poof. No. Yeah, we're unfortunately. I'm, <laughs> I'm familiar with it from like like media where like a British person will call someone a poof uh-huh. or a poofter. Okay, but, yeah. yeah. We don't use it here, no. No. Good on you. I kind of like it. <laughs> no. It's bad. Maybe maybe it's I just think... because it's not because it's not like yeah. negative in our oh, like context. Yeah. I'm like poof. Oh, that's kind of yeah. cute. Poof. <laughs> it's like I a don't gay feel loofah. It's like inherently bad. I don't think there's any harm in reclaiming poof. That's true. That's true. No, I had I was supervising a bunch of undergrads recently, and one of them just kept using the word poofter to like insult people, and so I have like more negative Ugh. connotations. Than oh, I had to I sit see. him down. Like you cannot use this word, and he was like, "Why? It's not like I hate gay people. It's just a generic insult." And I was like, "It's a generic insult based in homophobia. One of your other fellow students is queer. You cannot use this word." And he was like, "But my gay cousin uses it all the time," and I was like, "Oh my." Uh. <laughs> oh my god oh. Yes. yeah we have that yeah. we have that here too a lot of you know i think it's gone down in recent years but a lot of instances of people using like that's so gay you know gay is it yeah. for stupid and be like but i don't hate gay people it's like yes but you're implicitly you know suggesting that was really common when i was in elementary school yeah same. yeah really common when i was in elementary yeah, same. school yeah, I definitely heard the word gay to mean stupid long before I knew that gay meant attracted to the same sex. Yes, exactly. Although, yeah. We didn't so much use it to be stupid as particularly it would be gay to mean like overly earnest, overly sincere. Yeah, yeah. Like if people Aww. were like uncomfortably open about their feelings, you would call that gay? I guess that's more like coming from a like masculine-centered society, being overly mm. feminine, like talking about your emotions. I was like, "Ooh, that's gay." Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Which the funniest part of that meant that you know, in primary school, you'd get this thing where you'd see a boy and a girl holding hands and be like, "Ew, that's so gay." <laughs> I, I remember that happening to me. Yeah. You're expressing your emotions. Oh, it's gay. Like, oh my gosh! You keep on using yeah. that word. I do not think it means what you <laughs> think it means. That's that's so funny that's though. So I know, like yeah. in hindsight, that's hilarious. <laughs> right, the idea of like straight people being called gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Wow. Yeah, it's not well, like wow, you have a straight crush. That's so gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. All right. So tell us some more about more, uh, more Australian slang. More Australian slang. Oh, my okay. favorite one is coming up. Oh, yes. Okay. The term Gussie. Oh, this isn't my favorite. This isn't your favorite one. Soon the term Gussie <laughs> emerged in the late 1800s as a short form of the name Augustus, which apparently just sounded laughably poncy to the working class. <laughs> and so that was meant to sort of denote effeminacy. Mm. That it was this really sort of posh, delicate name. I guess that's what happens when you found a country on, like, male criminals. Yeah. 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 Probably male working class criminals. Anything that sounds elitist is gay. Yeah. The Oscar Wilde trial also had enormous reverberations. Oscar, as both a verb and a noun, appeared in England and Wildman in the United States. Yeah. Oh, God. He would be so proud. Yeah. His his name being synonymous with queerness. Oscar Wilde is so happy right now somewhere in the ether. (laughs) Yeah. 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 A Sydney newspaper called Truth published a homophobic article in 1903 describing Oscar Wildeism and Oscar Wildists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love the implication. 
implication that's kind of inherent in this as well, that, like, these all these queer people were inspired by Oscar Wilde. Like, it kind of implies that they weren't around, and now there's all these Oscar Wildists because they heard about Oscar Wilde. <laughs> they were, they were yeah. around, now they just want to talk about it a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I just really so... want to be like Oscar Wilde. Yeah, I would be so <laughs> proud, though, if my name was, like, synonymous with queerness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, like, goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we also have punts from the Yiddish word for cunt, oh. which appeared in the 1920s. So I have a question oh. that you might not know the answer to. We said a minute ago that people used Augustus because it sounded poncy. Is poncy and punts the same word? I guess so. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they seem like the same word. I don't know where ponce comes from, though. Like, punts, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. Old Is this a word that you guys have? Do you have punts? Again, like, familiar with it from media, but you don't hear people using it in, like, everyday... Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so Symes, one of the sources that we used, seems to think this is an Australianism, but notes that it's also used in British English. I don't necessarily know what the story is there. Did it originate in Australia and then spread back to Britain? Or... The other way around. Or the other way around. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but... So that's Mm. all the historical Australian slang that I have here. Yeah, so we'll come back with our 20th century slang, having covered our 19th century slang. Do you guys want to tell us more of your fun American words? Yeah. Lee, why don't you start? All right. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so a lot of a lot of ours, I think, tend to come a little bit later. We've got a couple of early. Yeah, ones we got we got some co- we got some early ones in here, but um, I figured you know Lee and Lee and Gretchen, myself and Gretchen, would give you just kind of our a, a, a sprinkling of our favorites. So I have uh, we have you hauling, which is I don't know. If oh you yeah, guys have I've that had there. This. Yes, yeah, I where it's this uh, word on auto straddle. <laughs> yes, uh, Thanks, auto, auto uh, auto straddle the uh, the the queer yeah. women bible of the internet. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's uh, when it's the you know the stereotype of when two women get into a relationship and immediately get invested. There is a classic joke that is um, you know what does uh, what does a lesbian bring to a second date? A U-Haul. What does a gay man bring to a second date? <laughs> what second date? Um, so, you know, playing on those stereotypes of women yeah. getting into a relationship will immediately become latched onto one another, emotional, invested. Yeah. Men only want sex. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, you'll also- I'm gonna, I'm gonna back up for one second here, because we don't even have the word U-Haul in the first place. <laughs> like, I understand uh, right. it's some kind of truck. <laughs> Yes, it yeah, is a, oh, it's a, a moving yeah, company. Yeah, it's a brand of moving ah. truck. It's, yeah. ah, okay. it's really interesting <laughs> how it's specifically tied to that yeah. brand. It's not like you hear, you know, God, I don't even know what another moving truck company name is. Like, <laughs> I know I've seen them around, but, you know, it's not like you see, like, there's one know, called, like, like Penske can... or something, or yeah. it's like, it's, you know, you're not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna Penske with a girl. <laughs> you're gonna U-Haul with a girl. Um, I think so you just... know how Subaru, <laughs> you know how Subaru deliberately markets to lesbians? Oh, yeah. Did do at they? some point. Oh, they like, did. That, that was a thing that happened. Yeah, that was I a thing a that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it anyway, worked. That aside. It worked. Um, <laughs> do you reckon, or has U-Haul ever considered a marketing campaign based on this job? Huh. I'm not sure. That's going to be something. So, that's going to have to should. be something we look into. Oh, yeah, yeah. They yeah. could cash in on that. At you. Oh, de- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's also fruit, 
uh, you will hear a lot of, specifically, um, I think, yeah, specifically referring to gay men. And it originates from stereotypes that I guess gay men are softer, quote unquote, and smell good. Um, so I mean, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have any stereotypes, I guess not smelling foul is a pretty good one. Wait, so yeah. is fruit just like a noun you would use to refer to a gay man? Like he's a fruit? Yes. Or he's like he, yeah, he's a fruit. Or... He's a fruit. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Or like, That's you know, like, nice. like something, 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 I'm not a fruit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. There's also fairy. So it was originally derogatory, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but some folks have reclaimed it. Specifically, uh, a lot of like gay men's counterculture and activists, uh, there's a activist and spiritualist group called the Radical Fairies, but it originally came from uh, the 1890s drag ball culture in New York. Not the 1980s, but the original, the 1890s <laughs> drag ball oh, culture well, in New York, yeah. which is really cool. And we've got very similar to what you discussed about, like, fancy women. Apparently in the mid-1900s, fairy ladies was used to refer to femme lesbians. So we have a lot of kind fairy of... Fairy ladies? Yeah, oh, some, some parallels there, which is really cool. I like fairy ladies. I really love that. That's nice. I do too. Yeah. yeah. I do find it interesting, though, then, that, like, the words, when we're talking about lesbians, the slang words refer to the femme lesbian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, which is weird, because... In, like, gay men, it's the kind of gender non-conforming ones that get the that other target of the slang words. Mm. I wonder so, if it's mm. more about sexism yeah. in both yes. cases. Like, femininity is the thing in... to be mocked, regardless of gender. Right. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah true. Because, because women who would be acting more like men could be conceived of in a more positive way. Like, oh, yeah, they want to be Yeah, men. they're trying to be like men. Because, you know, why not aspire yeah. to masculinity? It's the same way. It's the same reason why androgynous folks or non-binary folks who are assigned male at birth that present more femininely are far more reviled in culture than, you know, mm. than, than androgynous folks who are presenting more masculinely. You see, yeah. you know, you see even just cis women in photo shoots in fashion in suits astronomically more than you would ever see, you know, a, a, cis, yeah, male a cis male in like, in like a, ball a ball gown yeah. or, or even like tights, you know, it's femininity yeah. is the thing mm. that is the averse thing. Yeah. Right. I guess that um, you kind of get that thing in terms of almost like expected presentations of androgyny, mm-hmm. where what we picture when we think of androgyny is like the absence of characteristics that we associate with femininity. So mm-hmm. an androgynous person, it's like short hair, it's flat chested, it's, you know, narrow mm-hmm. hips, it's mm-hmm. the absence of femininity rather than a kind of in-between. Yeah, I've actually had issues with that in trying to find like... Uh, formal wear that fits more like my aesthetic because mm. I I don't wear a lot of like I guess frilly or like feminine dresses but I also don't wear suits mm-hmm. like I yeah. so like finding formal wear that's I guess androgynous when I look like when I'm looking for like androgynous formal wear it's all masculine mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I like I was trying to find I was looking for something for a specific event and I was trying to look up like androgynous formal wear and it was like here's how to wear suits if you are like assigned female at birth birth just wear a suit and you're androgynous and I'm like but but yeah, that's, that's not androgyny. That's not what yeah. androgyny means. It's not androgyny. That's just me dressing masculine. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. What do we do with that? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do we do with that? It's it's yeah. It's a thing. Yep. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> it is a thing. Yeah. Uh, we also have Gillette Blade, which is one of my favorites. So it was a 1950s term too. for bisexual women in that, you know, with the with the razor blade, right, you cut both ways. Cuts both ways. Um, yeah. Which makes, like, bi like and pansexual I- women sound super badass. <laughs> right? I kind of back to, like, martial metaphors there. I mean, not mm-hmm. entirely martial, but it's more violent than a food metaphor. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, yeah. what interests me is the number of your slang words that are brand names. Yeah, yeah that's true. You but, call okay. Gillette Blade. Well, because a lot of these come out of the 50s and, you know, there's nothing more American in the 50s than, than capitalism and consumerism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 Nothing yeah. more American in the 50s than capitalism. It's true. Um, yeah. Market uh, capitalism. Uh, so cruising also uh, comes from the Dutch term cruisen, uh, meaning to cross or intersect and also to breed. It was used to describe, oh. you know, active search for sexual partners You'll hear uh, mostly in gay male communities, you know, cruising, going cruising for for men. I really liked this one, which is a hundred footer. Someone who looks so queer, you can spot them from a hundred feet away. (laughs) Um, Goals. Yeah. Clitterference is essentially the like women loving women uh, equivalent of cock blocking. So like, you know, oh God, she, <laughs> she ran clitterference on me. That, that's good. Yeah. That's like such a yeah. cis male term. Yeah. 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 It's, and it's a very recent term. I, so I, I, I liked that one. Um, there's also. <laughs> I like that. Uh, in sisters refers to two effeminate gay men who have a close relationship, but not like romantic or sexual. So like, you know, gay BFFs are in sisters. Okay. Oh. Um, you know, like kind of queer, oh, kind of queer, cute. queer platonic relationship, right? Between two like effeminate gay men. I like that. Um, Ursula is a, a queer woman who hangs out with bears. So bears, if you don't know, is a, um, is kind of like a sub identity, uh, is a specific identity within gay male culture, which is men who are traditionally masculine, usually herstute, you know, very hairy, um, mm, you know, large, large, large kind of cuddly, big masculine men is bear culture. So a, a queer woman who hangs out with bears is an Ursula, or also known as a Goldilocks, which I love. Um, <laughs> oh, that's very cute. Yeah. Like that. that's, uh, that's there's cool. also Bambi lesbian. Which is a, a type of lesbian sexuality more centered around touching and kissing and kind of like non-genital focused intimacy, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Like, you know, maybe it was a precursor yeah. to larger conversations regarding asexuality or like gray ace yeah. identity. It's like, I really love doing all of these things, but I don't want to touch a genital. Yeah. You know, it's, it's... I understand that it's sort of appeared around the same time as like Stone Butch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the kind of butch equivalent i guess yeah. of that yeah absolutely mm-hmm. 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 yeah and then so then we have this this joke about uh so you'll you'll frequently see lesbianism or lesbians being connected with toasters um and so this actually i thought this was so weird the first time <laughs> there's like a one of our mutual friends runs a website and its little icon is like a toaster with the rainbow flag and i as soon as i saw it i was like that's a reference that has not been explained mm-hmm. to me and I feel too weird to ask. <laughs> so fine, toasters yeah. are a thing. So, but it made no sense to me. So I'm going to provide context for you. So this is a um, recruitment oh, joke. This is the joke that, like, oh. hey, for every, it's it's specifically for lesbians. Um, that is like, it's the gift that a lesbian gets upon quote turning a straight woman gay or whenever she sleeps with a straight woman. And so it's actually a callback to in the like 50s and 60s in America. I think it was going like late late into the 80s too when banks would actually offer toasters or other appliances 
as incentives for people opening new accounts. So it's like, oh, you got a new one. Here's your toaster. Oh and it was gosh, actually and it was actually referred to on um the, on Ellen on on Ellen DeGeneres' sitcom before she even did the coming out episode. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Yeah. So it's the it's I was picturing it more like a game show scenario. Like you know, you, they always have the prize. Ding, like ding, you ding. get the twelve steak knives. <laughs> yeah, you win a toaster. Yes, it specifically calls back to um, yeah, they they were incentives for for opening up new accounts. So you know, nowadays, like a lot of banks <laughs> yeah. will offer monetary awards. You know, like oh, if you open your checking account with us today, we'll put you know a hundred dollars in it. Before it was like here's okay. here's your free toaster. You know, we'll send you, we'll send you a Ken, a Kenmore, you know, toaster oven or whatever. Um, again, <laughs> American market capitalism. Yay! I was just thinking that too. It's like another slang term related to capitalism. Very capitalist. How do you? How does that function in a sentence? Like, is it just like, oh hey, I slept with a straight girl. Oh, you get a toaster. Or essentially, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or like, oh, where's my toaster? I got one. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really liked this one, this okay. uh, Castro clone, or just clone. So this is specifically referring to, like, a gay man's style in the 1970s in San Francisco in the Castro yeah. uh, gayborhood. Typically consisting of, like, a, a working-class masculine attire. So blue-collar uniforms, Levi jeans, checked or plaid shirts, sideburns, <laughs> work boots, denim, white shirts. It evoked this idealization <laughs> of working-class men. So think, like, the village people. That is the perfect uh, encapsulation yeah, yeah. of Castro clone. So it was in- inspired and popularized by homoerotic artists such as Tom of Finland, which if you've ever seen any of his work, and we can put this in our show notes, but he's a very, very famous queer artist that portrayed homoerotic art between very, very masculine men, a lot of times having to do with soldiers and and uh, mm-hmm. and Navy cadets, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, metaphors around there. It was also popularized by porn stars like Jack Wrangler. And it was kind of a, you know, a really deliberate move away from stereotypes regarding all gay men as being effeminate. So it was this kind of reclamation of their masculinity within the culture. And it's actually one of the things oh, yeah. that directly influenced the rise of bear culture. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I can mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one, the last one that I have here is cotton ceiling, which is a, a really new term uh, coined by a Canadian trans mm. woman activist who's uh, Drew DeVoe. And so she coins this as the term, this term as the situation of trans women and trans men being excluded from female and gay spaces, specifically in the dating scene, but also in society in general. So it's, um, it's this, ta- it's a, it's a new take on the, on the phrase glass ceiling, right? It's the cotton ceiling. Okay, mm-hmm. why cotton? Underwear. That's what I've come across when I'm reading about it. Is cotton referring to the underwear. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're talking about exclusion from the dating scene, like, oh, I accept you as a woman until it's suggested that, you know, I, a person attracted to women, might sleep with you, and then, like, oh, no, is kind of the implication mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Alice, do you want to to okay. start us in on some, sure, some recent... Australian, uh... So, for some 20th century Australian slang, I'm going to start talking about women. Even I've only got a very small paragraph on women, because that's the way it is, unfortunately. We mostly talk yeah. about men. So, most of the Australian terms we came across for women loving women are basically just variations on the word lesbian. So, we have les, lesy, uniquely... Those two are, I think, used in many countries. Uniquely Australian are Leslie and Leza. Leather. Leather. Yeah, Leather just it. sounds so obvious. I've heard I love that. It. Leather. 
and lesby friends, which is very cute. I like that one. Is that like what that you too. say when you're like dating another woman? Your hey, lesby friends. Lesby friends. <laughs> lesby friends. Yeah. That sounds like oh, a really a good... cheesy like Valentine. Lesby you know those like yes. kids Valentines that would have like yeah. really like. But I like it. Mm. I like yeah. it, and I think if we make queer as fact merch, or if you're making history of gay is gay merch, we should make that Valentine's card. <laughs> We should. Let's be friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the 40s and 50s in Australia, lesbians who dressed masculinely, so what we would now call butch lesbians, were called Tootsie Dolls. Why? Tootsie Dolls. I do not know. I tried to find this out. Tootsie oh, I Dolls. I don't know why. That's a very, like, cute term for somebody who's, like... Presenting masculine. Presenting masculine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. I don't know. Right. This seems to be a label that came out of the lesbian community itself rather than anything that was applied to them. Yeah. So they've come up with this, but I'm not sure why. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of the rest of our slang comes from, like, male cruising culture. Mm-hmm. And as for why we have so much of that and so little female slang, um, one lesbian notes that there are no equivalent female terms for things like cruising and beats used by lesbian women because she doesn't think that lesbian women fancy the idea of having sex with a stranger in a toilet block. I mean, I don't. Gen- generally <laughs> less enthused about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's that. Um, so speaking of cruising, one of our major contributions as Australians to the world of queer slang is the word beat. As mm. the place where men cruise, oh, oh like like on, like on the beat, or yeah. beat as the location, like mm. oh that toilet block is a beat. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard it used that way in American. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'm also yeah. not a gay male, so yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, yes. my like, who knows? <laughs> my first my first reaction to hearing that is hearing it used as like on the beat, as in like a law enforcement term, mm. like yeah. like police yeah. officers yeah. that are on duty and like cruising around in their police cruiser, which uh, um, cruiser, are, yeah. are considered <laughs> to be weird. on the beat. And yeah, I don't know if there's yeah. any and con- where- any correlation between those. That is where it comes from, yeah, from police officers and also probably more directly into the queer community from sex workers being mm-hmm. on the beat. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like yep. having having a beat, like your own like particular area you'll cruise. Yeah, and like for like sex workers or Yeah. yeah. Yep. And yep. then that's kind of extended from on the beat to this is my beat too. The beat is just the place you go to look for mm. gay yeah. sex. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Our other uniquely Australian word that we've exported to the world, unfortunately, is poofter, which. Oh, we, did we start that? We came up with poofter. <laughs> Comes from England in our uh, first appears around the 1830s. And it's possibly just from like the sound puff. It sounds soft. It <laughs> sounds, sounds gay. Feminine. Much like fruit. Uh, it also. Soft. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It just sounds yeah. soft. <laughs> or possibly also from the French word poof, which is a derogatory word for women, kind of similar to the English word tart, implying, mm. you know, a sex worker or a promiscuous woman. Yeah. Tarts are so yeah. delicious, but, though. Yeah. yeah. Every time tart. I bake a tart. I was thinking <laughs> Fruit tart. Every time I bake a tart, my mother tries it, and then she's like, mmm, Alice, you make a good tart. And then she just cracks up laughing. <laughs> I feel like I need to meet your mum. I want to meet your mum. Okay, your mum sounds yeah. delightful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we as Australians came up with adding the ending to poofter and turning it from poof into poofter. And one of the first Australian instances I found of the word poofter was from a 1903 newspaper article titled A Poofter Bridesmaid, which was a newspaper article about a woman, actually in New York, but this is in an Australian newspaper, 
a woman who had had a male best friend as her maid of honor at her wedding rather than a female friend. Oh. And so even without any implication, oh, obviously there's an implication that he's gay, I guess, but even without it being about his sexuality, just the fact that a man had fulfilled a role that was traditionally feminine, he's referred to as a pufta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even though that comes from 1903, the word pufta isn't actually that well attested until after World War II. And we also have the phrase pufta bashing as a uniquely Australian term for what is probably more broadly called queer bashing or gay bashing. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Other Australian terms for effeminate gay men um, include Trish, Triss, and Triz. <laughs> so what we're saying is that in, like, the 19th century, it was M names. Yeah. And in the 20th century, it's <laughs> T names. <laughs> yeah, I think these Apparently. are all 20th century names. Hmm. Or it must, even mid. It must just be, then, that, like, people go for the common female names because those, like, Patricia kind of names yeah, are more were common. really popular in the, like, mid-20th century. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why. And that's why we've moved from Madge to Triss, because we've moved from Margaret to Patricia as the most yeah. common I guess so. Names. Interesting. So, like, are we going to, yeah. you know, for the 20 teens, are we just going to start hearing things like Apple or Makekalekalekalekala? <laughs> <laughs> She's a Ashley real Michaela with like four right, like weird, weird white <laughs> yeah. people names for babies. <laughs> yeah, Kaylee oh. spelled like K A Y L E I G H or something. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Gretchen. <laughs> I just like Lee is perfect. When you add like weird Y's, yeah, I don't know. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've seen Kaylee spelled a whole lot of weird ways. Mm. Yeah, a whole lot of yeah. Weird ways. yeah. When you started spelling Kaylee, I was kind of like, but isn't that how you spell Kaylee? Like, there's no definitive <laughs> spelling of Kaylee. They're all weird. They're all weird. Yeah. They're no offense weird. to any weird. listeners who are called Kaylee. We love you. <laughs> it's a nice name. We do. It's just hard to spell. Yes. Um, uh, we also have. Uh, speaking of fruit, specifically quince. 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 <laughs> I love quince. I don't know if that's because it sounds like queen or queer or just because it's a fruit. What, really what is what is quince? Yeah. A quince is a fruit. It's kind of like an apple. Oh. It's not really. You can't eat it till you cook it. Oh, and I've, it turns, I've like, never heard of this. When you cook it. Huh, interesting. Oh, okay. Sometimes You have like quince paste with cheese. That's the most common way you eat it. It's kind of like a jelly kind of oh. thing. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep, I've yeah, had, like, yeah. quince in, like, a um, marmalade or, like, a jam. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, some mm, yeah. kind of spread. Yeah. Yep. It's quite cool, because it starts out normal colored, and then when you cook it, it turns bright red. Oh, that's huh. fascinating. Interesting. That, I don't know why that happens, for, but it's very cool. For some yeah. reason, you mentioning that just reminds me of another queer phrase, which is like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, oh, well, they're straight. Yeah, well, so is spaghetti until you heat it up. <laughs> <laughs> until it gets wet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until you heat yeah, it up, yeah. until it gets wet. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, that, that is good. I do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, another Australian term we have that turns up from an Australian slang dictionary in the very early twentieth century is Joey, mm. as slang for a young effeminate gay man, as in a baby like, kangaroo. Okay. okay, like as like a baby yeah. kangaroo. Yeah, it's like a bambi. Yeah, like a cute little baby. Or like, or like in the bear yeah, in the bear one. community, they have otters too. Like that oh, kind of reminds me of is like that? okay. Yeah, otters are like yeah. bears who are like tiny, and they're basically like Twinkie bears, like young okay. young yeah. Twinkie yeah. bears. I don't know how, <laughs> which is yeah. a really really fun phrase, but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this yeah. is what we mean about us um, having our own language. Anybody who's straight. Listening to that and didn't have context, probably have no idea what I just made by, yeah, an otter is a very twinky bear. 
Probably like right. a breakfast food. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I've heard all of those Cream words pill? individually, but I don't know what any of it means altogether. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. interesting. We all have a lot of rhyming slang in Australia. Ooh. That's probably less common among, like, our generation, but I definitely still hear my parents use rhyming slang sometimes. So, cow's hoof is rhyming slang for poof. Mm. Or cloven hoofter is rhyming slang for poofter. I love that, because, like, the implication of the devil is there as well. <laughs> that i was just picturing like oh yeah you know animals with cloven no you know how the devil has cloven hooves yeah yeah i i went where you did irene i was like oh it's like saying they're like the devil like they're little yeah 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 impish debauchery um yeah and tonka bean for queen i love this i love this rhyming thing this is so cool it's so very like we don't do rhyming slang in America. Mm. That's a very, that's a uniquely like British Australian thing. That is yeah. not something we do here. And I love yeah. it. It's fun. I enjoy it a lot. It gets even more like convoluted. So you mentioned pig Latin as an example mm-hmm. for a can and you get pig Latin combined with rhyming slang. So, um, oh. for poofta. Yeah. That's just normal pig Latin. And then more obscurely, orkan pa for pork and beans, that being rhyming slang oh. for queen, meaning gay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well. That's so what? complex. Yeah, there's just so many layers. I love it. Yeah. yeah. No one would be able to understand what that meant if they just heard it. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, they wouldn't. It's great. it's great. I feel like we need to shorten that. I feel like we just need to go for like orkin. Orkin pa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Or just like orca. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like a killer whale. Like I love killer whales. That's cool. That's cool. That's Very cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we have a few other words for the passive pun or the effeminate gay man. Uh, we have cat, which is probably short for catamite, as in the Roman oh. name for Zeus's lover Ganymede. Mm, yep. And also queen. So these are both. These were both used commonly in prison slang. I don't know if they still are because I've never been to prison. Um, <laughs> You're not a gay man in prison, Alice. I'm not a gay man in prison. <laughs> But cat more generally refers to younger men who present more masculine and may never have had relationships or sex with men before going into prison, but then play that passive sexual role while in prison, while queen implies someone who's more openly effeminate. And this is kind of like how we were discussing that contrast between action and identity. Mm -hmm. Queen implies more of an identity, Mm -hmm. while cat just implies Mm -hmm. it's a thing you do while you're in prison. Yeah, situational, like more of a situational. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also from prison slang for the um, passive partner comes the phrase receiver of swollen goods. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's very uh, descriptive. (laughs) It's quite quite on the nose. Things are about to get more descriptive. So that's our slang for, like, passive gay men. The slang for active gay men is, or active men who sleep with men, is much blunter and more descriptive. Uh, We have words like dung puncher and shit packer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have fudge packer. Um, Yeah, yeah. Fudge packer. And uniquely Australian Vegemite driller. Oh my god. Of course (laughs) course. that's Australian slang. Like, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's good. That's, uh, yeah, you get it. Yeah. Get immediate images. Mm. Uh, Speaking of more food, food words, um, Mars bar has also been used as a term of abuse for gay men. Mm. Why? Um, that's a good question. (laughs) What's, what's wrong with, yeah. I don't know. Are Mars bars gay? I don't know. <laughs> I just know that Mars Bar was a term of abuse for gay men. And um, Adelaide, so that's one of our state capitals, 
Adelaide's longest-running gay bar was called the Mars Bar as a reclamation of this term, and it ran from the early 80s until 2017. Unfortunately, it's recently closed. I'm sad about that. Yeah. We were in Adelaide when it was still open. We should have gone there. We should have gone out clubbing. (laughs) I hate clubbing. (laughs) We're the the quiet gays. Yeah. If if you've watched Hannah Gadsby's special... Nanette, it's we're the we're the quiet gaze. This is where you can find the quiet gaze on the podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for more rhyming slang for active partners, we have hock and jocker, both as rhyming slang for cock. Mm. And within a prison setting, a man who is known for being a hock might be called Rudolf Vasilino. That's weirdly specific. <laughs> From the 20s film star, Rudolf Valentino, oh. who was considered kind of very attractive, but not very masculine. <laughs> Vaseline. So that's... Rudolf Vaseline. Interesting. Oh. I mean, and Vaseline is prob- was probably used Lube. for Lube. Lube. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And yeah. I, I think Rudolf Vaseline also refers to his very slick hair. Oh, oh really? Uh, yeah. So I don't know in that context if it means the lube or the attention to um, appearance. Or both. Oh. Multipurpose. Both. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So yeah, most of those words that I've just mentioned are kind of within this masculine feminine dichotomy within the world of men who sleep with men. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, though, in Australia, the word camp, which in Britain and North America does kind of imply that femininity in australia for a long time was just our equivalent word for gay so instead of saying someone was gay you'd say they were camp and we had camp bars and things like that so great i love it i like it yeah i'm sad that we we lost that because now we just use gay and i think from what i could gather that's kind of the influence of having a lot of american soldiers here in the 50s and then having kind of the gay rights movement coming out of america that influenced our language and we started to use the more american terms but yeah, the word camp first comes up in um, 1942 in, sorry, the word camp first comes up in 1942 recorded when a man is up on charges for soliciting other men for sex and he's asked in court, you know, are you camp or what does that mean? And he says, just as a man to a woman, so as a man to a man, just like instead of a man going to bed with a woman, he goes to bed with a man. So it's literally just men sleeping with men. There's no kind of more implications than that. And um, as we mentioned, like, gay men or men who sleep with men using female names, mm-hmm. that would be called your camp name would be the female name that you use. Oh. Your camp name. We also have the phrase, which definitely is still in use, camp as a row of tents. Ah, I love that. <laughs> I like it. Or if you want to imply that it's really camp, camp as a row of pink tents. Oh my gosh. That is my favorite. Oh, I love that's that. fantastic. I love yeah, that. I like that I love one. that. And I'm very glad that even though camp kind of went out of use to mean gay, camp as a row of pink tents definitely stayed in use. We're going to... We're going to proliferate that here. Yeah. I I love all the phrases for, like, you're really gay. Mm -hmm. To basically mean, like, you're really, like, you're not just gay, you're really gay. Like, the 100 Twitter that Lee Mm -hmm. has. Campus or Pink Tents. I have one coming up. Like, just the ones that are basically, like, you're so identifiable as not straight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. I love those. It's good. It's good. Um, The opposite of camp, back before we had the word straight in Australia, was square. Which, as with many words we've talked about, overlaps with sex worker slang, which for sex workers use it to describe someone who's not in the sex work industry, and square was used to describe someone who was straight or not queer. So the comparative phrase to camp as a row of tents is square as a bottle box, apparently. That one's not still in use. <laughs> now, this makes sense, though, because 
whenever I talk to my parents, they don't use the word straight to mean like not queer. When they they say straight, they mean someone's like law abiding. They're not a criminal. Not a criminal. <laughs> and so sometimes we have these confusing conversations where I'll say someone isn't straight, and they'll think someone's a criminal. <laughs> Why is your friend in crime? <laughs> so maybe that's what. Yeah, I don't know what word they Be gay, they do crime. Be gay, do yeah. crime. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, maybe maybe I should try square instead. <laughs> yeah, maybe you said yeah, square. Then know what you meant. We should test this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're like in America, square was used in the fifties for someone who was like boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think those are probably associated usages. I don't know if they come out of like the same place, but they're definitely associated. Right. Like, wow, square you're heterosexual. Boring. So boring. <laughs> like, be there or be square. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's not yeah. cool if you're not there. Yeah, you're yeah, square. You're boring. Like not cool. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But be there or be straight. (laughs) Be there or be square as a butter box. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much all our Australian slang. I do have one that I haven't got written down that I do want to add, which is I thought of when you were saying Gillette blade Mm -hmm. as cuts both ways. Um, We also have ACDC to mean bisexual in Australia. Oh, like the current. (laughs) Yeah, 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 like the current director. ACDC. Yeah. I like it. Oh man. I like you it could too. come up with some pretty cool designs. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely, definitely. It also put the lightning an, bolt in there. Yeah, it's a nice um it's a nice callback to Nikola Tesla too, who was also, you know, pretty queer. Not <laughs> queer. Yeah. Not yeah, just straight. That's true too. Yeah. 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 Really interesting. Oh man. So yeah, that's that's our Australian slang. Now time cool. for Gretchen's last bit of American slang. Yeah. 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 We'll finish up with mine. So, uh, I'm going to start with one that confused me the first time I heard it, which was the term fanny bandit. Now, the reason this is (laughs) confusing to me is because in America, your fanny is your butt. Like, it's your ass. Yeah. And in the UK and Australia, it's it's slang for vulva. Yeah. Yeah. So, the first time I heard one of my, like queer female friends refer to themselves as a fanny bandit, I was like, what (laughs) now? What are you doing? Like, like, isn't that something that should be used for queer men? <laughs> right, exactly. That was my, I was like, is, like, that sounds like a term for, like, queer men, not queer women, but, like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it was explained to me, and I was like, oh, okay. It's like pants. Like, yeah, yeah. In America, yeah. pants are trousers. Like outerwear, <laughs> they're trousers. And in, in, in the UK, and I assume in Australia, they're underpants. No, the trousers here too. Actually, we use the American version of pants. Okay, yeah. but so, yeah, we use the British the version of then. fanny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, hmm. that's fascinating. So yeah, we just kind fanny of pick and choose from both. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys get to pick the best of, best of both worlds. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that exactly. was the fir- that was one that confused me until it was explained to me. So that's why it's on my list. My favorite is uh, the term kiki, which was originally. Now there are two different terms here. So the first one that I love was used primarily in the 40s through the 60s to refer to a woman-loving woman who identified as neither butch nor femme, nor had a I'm marked so preference. I'm so glad there's a word for that. That's very cute. Yeah, I love it. I yeah, bring that back. Yeah. So, like, they like, identified as neither butch nor femme and had no preference in partner. We don't have a word for that now, really, do we? Yeah. We don't yeah, use we that don't anymore. Use it. And I'm like, no. come on, bring it back. Yeah. Bring Kiki. it back. Because I like Start it because it. it's... It's the first word I've ever heard that describes presentation in a way that made sense to mm-hmm. me. Because I don't really identify yeah. as butcher femme, and I've never had a word. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I, I guess I wear whatever I want. just doing my thing. I just do my me thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I read Kiki, I was like, oh, 
Okay. I guess the closest we have now is like Futch, but, but like even, it it but it like, still implies like Butch of Center, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Most yeah. of the people I know who use Futch are people who are like. It's another word for like soft. Yeah, butch. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I really and it like also still just implies like, that you're existing yeah. on this femme butch spectrum, whereas mm-hmm. Ki- Kiki doesn't even imply that this spectrum is relevant. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, oh, which is yeah. which is what makes sense to me because it isn't really. It's not a spectrum I've ever yeah. like associated with yeah. myself. No, so I'm like, oh yeah, I'm Kiki. I can't believe though that we got like queer women, and we were like, you know what we need on this? The gender binary. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't. <laughs> like, believe I can't that? believe we're having that problem. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything in society that we haven't put the gender binary on that we didn't need to put the gender binary on though? True. Yay. Unnecessarily gendered things is a is a large category of things that frustrate me. Yeah. 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 Unnecessarily gendered things. So in modern usage, Kiki, there's actually a totally unrelated word, comes from a totally different origin that is modern. And it is refers to a social gathering. And this is rooted in Black and Latinx gay culture. And it's an automatopoeia for, like, laughing or, like, okay. TikTok. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it, like, sense. evolved to mean, like, a gathering for people to, like, hang out and, like, chit-chat. It was popularized by the Scissor, Scissor Sisters, which is a hard word to say. Scissor Sisters. <laughs> song, Let's Have a Kiki. So a lot of people, if they hear Kiki, if they're in gay male culture, they'll mm-hmm. think that. But I am all in favor of bringing back Kiki as a term of just, like, I don't belong on the butch femme spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I have yeah. no preference for, like, partners. Because it's so just, this is not honest. a spectrum yeah. that, that is relevant to me <laughs> yeah. in my queerness. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Another one I really liked is Donald Duck. And uh, <laughs> okay. this comes from before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. And it was a slang for a gay man who was dishonorably discharged from the Navy. So DD, mm-hmm. which was oh, the, the short term of a yeah. dishonorable discharge, um, yeah. became DD for Donald Duck. And <laughs> speaking of dishonorable discharge, dishonorable discharge is also a queer <laughs> slang for masturbating at home after failing to find a sexual partner. Which <laughs> 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 is just like... <laughs> oh, that's so good. My favorite yeah. part about that is it implies that you then went and had a conversation with someone about that and you were like, a uh, really unsuccessful <laughs> night. <laughs> Had a dishonorable I, discharge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like that you're admitting to that. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, we have terms like bean flicker, which <laughs> is um, a term in, in, you know, queer female circles for someone who, you know, gets a woman off through clitoral stimulation. Flicking, Flicking <laughs> I guess. That sounds so I was about to make a gesture and then I was like, I don't want to do that. Flicking. No, no, no good. Flicking. No. I mean... Bean? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, better than nub, also... I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, neither is great. Neither is great. There are so few good words for, like... Right? Yeah. Yeah, like, your mm. vulva, like, mm. clitoris. I always find that problem when I look at, like, fan fiction, and I'm like, why does nobody write femslash? And then I think about it, and I'm like, it's just we don't have the language. Peak. It's really hard yeah. to do. Peak, nub... <laughs> Like, none of these Pink. things yes. are good. Never lips. Oh, ne- <laughs> oh no. Lips. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I, have, I actually have a whole list of, like, unappealing sounding slang for vulva. Like, yeah. Some of the worst yeah. ones I've heard, like, beef curtains. Oh. It's, <laughs> what? Uh, what? It's no, so it's unappealing. Just like, like, I have, like, a visceral reaction when I hear it. I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> just, yeah. like... I can't. Fur burger. Yeah, a fur burger. Um, oh, it's just all—it's just all hairy meat. 
hair pie. Right? <laughs> Why is it all hairy like meat? hairy meat? Like it's it, it's what what gets me about it is like is it are are like cis women any more hairy than like cis men like like everyone has neither said right everyone has pubic hair so why is it all of the like haired slang is refers to like women like like cis women like why is it all about vulvas and i think it's like hair pie or like i mean i just saw a panty yeah panty hamster panty hamster (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's like, quite why? funny. That's like the counterpart to trouser stick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, somebody, somebody, please that. make fan art of a panty hamster and a trouser snake, please. Like, make them like cute <laughs> it little, like a really, really, like a cute little cartoon. I was, say, I was gonna say that sounds like a really, really horrible like kids book to introduce them to sex. Like, oh, panty God. hamster meets the trouser oh, boy. stick. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, um, oh anyway, oh anyway, um, we have the term bumper to bumper, which is um like vulva to vulva sex. Yeah, uh huh. Okay. I think there was also rumper to rumper or rumper to bumper. Right, <laughs> rumper to bumper. Know, gay yep. 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 yep, yep, yep. So my version of the like really really gay is uh queer as a nine dollar bill or just nine dollar bill. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It dates from at least 1965, where it was included in John Trimble's 5,000 Adult Sex Words and Phrases. Nine dollar bill, an absolute invert or homosexual, from the inference that one is three times as queer as a three dollar bill. Yeah, because I was like, gonna say I've heard queer as a three dollar bill, but mm-hmm. not queer as a nine dollar. Right, but you're a nine dollar yeah. bill if you're really gay. It's the equivalent of camp, like camp as a row of pink tents. Yeah, camp as a row of pink tents. Yeah. you're you're like yeah. extra extra queer we have kitty puncher i don't understand why punching is a thing why is punching here maybe it has to do with no. like like fisting maybe yeah i was about to say <laughs> okay no, yeah. i see i see the like gay male equivalent is uh donut puncher so it may be like Ugh. it was it developed in like men loving men circles and then like they developed like an equivalent mm. for women loving women yeah. maybe mm. it just sounds so violent it does yeah. Like, even if it's about fisting, please, no. Yeah, please don't punch. (laughs) No punching. No. Not preference. Bad technique. Speaking of punching, how about munching? We've got the same, we've got the equivalent. We've got donut munching. You've got, like... I've definitely heard donut muncher before. Like, carpet munching, which, again, why is it about hair? And there's just, like, this implication in that phrase that people with penises don't have pubic hair. Right. I think, Why? I don't right. know, maybe maybe just, like, the sexual acts, right, like, the, the, the oral sex acts that they're referring to, that, like, when there's a penis involved, I guess there's less, like, yeah. like less contact with that yeah, hair. I guess. Like, actual penises are not hairy. I guess. Yeah. Really. I guess. But I now I now that I think about it, I wonder if some of it has to do with a kind of derogatory way to refer to the fact that these women may not have conformed to like certain beauty standards yeah. for like pubic hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like lesbians yeah. don't shave. Kind yeah, of thing. like right. lesbians yeah. don't right. shave. I literally was just thinking about that. Kind of thing. Right. So like, oh, if you're yeah. a lesbian, like you munch carpet because the women. All, like don't shave crazy down hairy there. Feminists, yeah, mm, yeah, you crazy mm. hairy feminists. Like, mm. yeah, that probably. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. if some of it was related to yeah, that. That's probably got a lot of indication, a lot of relationship with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So many people have heard the term fag hag, which is mm. a like a woman typically like they could be. I think is it specifically a queer woman? I think it could be a straight. I think woman it's too. generally referring to straight, straight, straight women. 
who hang out with a lot of gay men. Well, there no. is the equivalent, which is a Sappho daddio. And <laughs> I just love it. And I think it's delightful. Does that actually, that have you ever heard someone use that? No, but I want them to. I think we should bring yeah. it in. Yeah, let me know when you hear it in use. Oh, we're going to make sure that it's what it's... Yeah, all good, oh, good, 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 good. Leah, I was just thinking that Thor is a Sappho daddy-o. <gasps> like, everyone yeah. talks about how, like, the, char- yeah. the Marvel character Thor would be so great hanging out with lesbians. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thor is a like Sappho daddy-o. Sappho daddy-o. Oh, I love it. And then the last one is the term uh, tit king, which is a woman-loving woman who uh, has a preference for women with large breasts. I like the way it's a king. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I guess it's like the counterpart to like size queen. Oh. Yeah, I guess size queen. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. It makes sense that when you're talking about like queer women, then you get king. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I mean, do you call it a drag king? Yeah. You do call it a I've drag heard- king. Yep. Oh, I've yeah. heard drag king before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, drag king definitely exists All in right. various. Yeah, like, it's yeah. definitely less of a big social phenomenon, but drag king. But it's exists. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Which again does like go back to the, what we were talking about earlier about how it's less transgressive for women to dress as men than it is for yeah. men to dress as women. Mm-hmm. Like it's more countercultural for men yeah. to dress as women than it is for women to dress as men. Yeah, absolutely. I always think about this. It always just seems very unfair that as a man, if you want to, like, push gender boundaries, you, like, paint your nails. You can do one thing and everyone's like, wow, Ooh. wow, that's a bit subversive. But, like, as a woman, you can do – there's literally nothing you can do. You can wear an entire men's outfit and they'll be like, yeah, she's just kind of slacking off. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, she's right. wearing pants and a T-shirt? Yep. Okay. Yep. Most women do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, the the best thing you can get, kind of get there is that people will assume you've dressed comfy rather than pretty. Yeah, until you put on, like, a three-piece suit. Then people are like, oh, may- maybe, maybe you're doing some gender stuff. Maybe you're, like, trying to be less feminine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, not wearing makeup is more likely to be like, mm. oh, she let herself go. Yeah, to be like, yeah, oh, or maybe that- she just doesn't find makeup appealing and is trying to like, yeah, yeah. Or she doesn't like that society kind of forces women to wear makeup. Yeah, yeah. You get more right. of that. Oh, you know, it's lazy. Yep. Not performing femininity is just lazy. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I yeah, I think that's what we've got for yeah. today. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. This yeah. has been fun. This collaborating has been with fun. you all. Yeah. I think we've all learned some good new words today to start peppering into our speech. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yes. Everyone, go out and make your... Be camp. Be camp and make your language queerer and utilize lavender <laughs> linguistics. Maybe pick up Polari as a second language. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you, can, you yeah. can find all of us on the internets. So Alice and, and Irene, for the listeners who are coming from the history is gay side of things, where can they find more information about queer as fact we are on facebook twitter and tumblr all as queer as fact if you search queer as fact you'll find us there um you can also email us directly if you want to get in touch with us more directly it's queer as fact at gmail.com if you want to listen to any more of queer as fact we have plenty of episodes out on podbean on itunes and as of the last couple of weeks we're on spotify now as well if that's where you like to listen to podcasts which very is very exciting congratulations yep. forever, but we're there now <laughs> and pretty much anywhere you get podcasts you can find us um that's it yeah that's it that's where we yeah. are yeah cool look us up yeah mm-hmm. yeah and what about you guys so yeah so if you're coming at this episode from the queerest fact side of things you can hear more about history is gay on any of your 
fun podcatcher apps. We are also online. We have a website, History is Gay Podcast, and we're on Twitter and Tumblr. Twitter is History is Gay Pod, and our Tumblr is History is Gay Podcast. Uh, Gretchen, do you want to talk about our email? In other words, oh yeah, you can also send us an email at History is Gay Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I don't know if you guys suggest this, but we always ask our listeners to, if you really like what we're doing, to write a review, rate us, tell your friends, get the word out. That's how we as new podcasts and, I mean, not even entirely new podcasts, just continue to expand our community, get our reach, interact with other people. We always love getting messages, so definitely hit us up online. Yeah, so uh, we, you know, at History is Gay, we tend to end our our episodes with stay queer and stay curious. Um, I don't know if you guys have a sign-off. That's a great tagline. Yeah. We don't have a sign-off, so we're just I was going to say, we get to the end awkwardly at every time and go, oh, I think we're done. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Well, all right then. Uh, I I think we're done. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Stay Stay queer queer. and stay curious. (laughs) All right. Yeah, very good. Okay.